Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Some all the community services, uh, checking out Arsenal Place. And it was just a really busy day. I had to get up at like 5 o'clock in the morning and drive down here in order to be here all day. So afterwards, we were getting ready. We had a little lunch, and we were going to come back to church that night. And Bob said, would you, you know, you want to skip out on church? And we just go out on the river. Well, that's, I mean, that is a hard sell. And so I said, yeah, let's do that. And it's called, I brought my fishing poles, and like I was so excited to go fishing and doing all this stuff. So I put it in the boat, and we've... we've go out on the river for a little while, and I don't know if you know this, but every section of the river is part of Armstrong Island, and so we would stop on these little things. The very first place we stopped, and I was just so overwhelmed by his kindness and gratitude, he said, when we stop here, I'm going to just give you the boat and let you take the boat. Have you ever driven a boat? I mean, I have at some point in my life, so yeah, I've got it. He said, you just drive, I'll play with the dogs, and you fish, and then we'll hook back up later. And as they're getting out, one of his dogs, which they're like small bears, one of his dogs breaks my fishing pole <laughs> right out of the gate. And I felt so bad for Bob because he's like, oh, my God, is that an expensive fishing rod? It was. Uh, but I didn't want to make a big deal about it because it was just an accident. <laughs> but in my mind, and I don't know why I did this, he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry, like, could I replace it? Like, I'll get you another one. Was it expensive? I said, no, it wasn't expensive. It was just sentimental. And he said, what do you mean? I'm like, well, that was the last thing my dad gave me. And then you know my story, he committed suicide. So this was the last thing he gave me from when we used to do all these fishing trips. I felt so bad. He's like, I am so sorry. And I said, I am totally kidding. I bought it at Academy. You know, there is no problem. We're okay. So I felt horrible for doing it to him, but then I got to do it to Ann when we got back to the cabin, so that was even better. So, but that, that is what spurred this message, because what I would have done, and what I've done most of my life, I would have put Bob on the shore, I would have taken the boat, and I would have go do whatever I wanted to do to just stay busy. But my fishing rod got broken, and Bob actually made the comment, what got me thinking about this. He said, maybe God just broke your fishing rod so you had to sit down today. And we sat on the uh, little island and we talked and, you know, deep conversations happened and healing happened and encouragement happened. And, man, I thought, that is the message I want to preach. And so God started talking to me about that. And so that's what I want to share with you today. I know different preachers have a lot of different styles. Usually what I do if I'm in a good vein is I preach to myself. And I keep preaching to myself until I actually digest the message. So you guys are just going to get to glean with me as I'm learning myself today through this message. So let me share this scripture with you and we'll get started. This is in Matthew 11, 25 through 30. Matthew 11, 25 through 30. It says, At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and had revealed them to the babes. Even so, it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, 
and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love three things about this scripture. The first one is that Jesus says, the wise will not understand this. I have hidden this from the wise. When we start buying into the culture of the world, the system of the world, the business of the world, that's when we can no longer see the things of the kingdom. He says, I've hidden these things from the, well, the wise. I've revealed them to those that are willing to look, the, the babes, the small children. When I was here the last time, there was a little boy running around with a flag. He got Bob waving a flag, and it's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. He revealed them to the babes. Then he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, this is exactly what we just got to see with Edwin in baptism. Jesus offers us a different pace of life. If I had to title this message, that's what I would call it, a different pace of life. Because when we come into the kingdom in the Western world, in the church culture that we grew up in, as soon as you came into the kingdom, it was about all that you could do. I want to serve on this team. I need to do this. I need to do that. That's how I show my value in the kingdom, or at least that's what it was for me. But Edwin chose a different pace of life this morning. The, the example that Bob talked about for baptism for Edwin is exactly the message I'm talking about. Because when Jesus was baptized, at that point he had done not one thing in the kingdom. And God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't done anything yet. And God was already pleased with him. That's the pace of life we've got to get back to. Knowing that God is pleased with us regardless of anything that we do. And now that Edwin's out here, I was going to share my favorite part of baptism. Maybe Bob covered it in the back. But that when you go down in the water, your enemies can no longer follow you. It's the example of when they crossed the Red Sea. So all of your past, all of your problems, all of those issues that you thought you had, when you go down and when you come up, they can no longer survive. It's a new life. You've chosen a different pace of life. There's a word... I heard in a podcast not long ago called Kuroshi. It's a Japanese word. And if this could sum up my life over the last several years, this was what it would be. But Kuroshi, the translation of it means death by overworking. <laughs> when I was in high school, I even grew up and I told my parents, I'm like, he said, what do you want to do when you graduate high school? I said, I want to retire. Like I knew that there was something different. But death by overworking. That's a real thing. In, in Japan, in the, the culture, people die from overworking. They work so long that they don't sleep. Then the, no sleep catches up to them. Then they stop eating because they're always working. They even forget to eat. That's how hard they're working. And eventually, it kills them. That's the culture that we live in. Busyness does not create fruitfulness. <laughs> it just creates activity. And that's not the life Jesus called us into. There's a different 
pace of life. And we all have to deal with it. We've got to deal with the pressures of life. We all have to work. I understand that. But along with all of that pressure of life and the pressure of culture comes all the other issues we have, health issues, disease, sickness, stress, all of these things. Not any of those are healed or cured by more work. It only amplifies them. It only intensifies them. And so when we get wrapped up into this culture, this pace of life that we've got to do, 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 then all of a sudden all of those things intensify and stress takes over. And then you've got to add in whatever your profession is. Not that, not that there's a difference, but there is some professions that are more dangerous than others. And ministry is maybe the most dangerous. <laughs> I'll give you an example. There was a pastor, I was listening to his wife uh, on a podcast last year that got me thinking about my life and how I wanted to change some things. And Bob had said that I was going through a transition. Last year, I was sitting in a tree stand, I was listening to this podcast, and I thought, I've got to quit my job or I'm going to end up like what this lady's talking about. Like something has got to change in my life. And so I started having these internal conversations last year, sitting in a tree stand. And I was listening to this, this woman. Her name is Kayla Stockland. Her husband's name was Andrew Stockland. You may have heard this story, but he was a pastor at Inland Hills Church. He took over for his dad when his dad retired, and he's an immediate son taking over a ministry in a megachurch. And all of a sudden, after a couple years, the pressure in ministry just started pounding you could start seeing it in his messages. You could start seeing it in the way he was um, interacting in his relationships, in his family. And so the board got together and they said, hey, you're going to need to take a break. Thank God for a board like that. You're going to need to take a break. We see that there's something wrong in your life. And so he did. He submitted to them and he took a four-month sabbatical where he just stepped away from everything. Why he had stepped away, his wife preached one of those Sundays, and she got up and she said, look, if they didn't step in, this could have killed him. He would have kept giving and giving and giving because he loves the church and loves you so much that it would have eventually caught up and killed him. He said, she said, this is, we've got a long way to go. She said, but we're all in. So he comes back from his four-month sabbatical, he gets up and preaches a message on depression called To the Back of the Cave out of Isaiah. And he shares his story over these four months of all that happened with him. So he gets up, he preaches this message, and a few weeks later, they find him dead from self-inflicted wounds in his office of the church where he was serving with his wife and three small boys left to pick up the pieces. Now, I can't explain that. But I do certainly identify with the pressures of life that he was going through. I do identify with the depression and the battles that he was having. And I know how that intensifies things. And I've got to think that God is looking for us to choose a different pace of life than where we put ourselves in position to where those pressures take over and it just crushes us. And so I started thinking about that. And... Um, Look, I want to say this first. Work is not bad. <laughs> we all need to work. I understand that. But there's a difference between working from rest and working for busyness. 
look, uh, Adam and Eve worked in the garden, you know, and it was even punishment for Adam. You've got to work the land. But if you look in Genesis how he was working, he had an in-ground sprinkler system that he never had to look at. It just watered the plants. And he was working, covering the whole earth, right? He was working, but yet had time every day to walk in the cool of the garden listening for God to show up. That's the work I'm talking about. We had lunch with a, a pastor. We had dinner with a pastor not long ago. And he said this. He said, work is not bad. He said, stress is bad. And he gave that example of Adam. He said, because anytime I look in my life and I think, man, I am stressed out or I'm, I've just, I, I don't know what to do, he realizes I'm out of the will of God. Because if there's stress in your life, that is not God, that's not God's will for you. So when he said work is not bad, he said stress is bad. Stress is what kills you. Man, is that not true? You not tell the difference? I, I, uh, in my own life, I can only compare it to like when I'm really swamped or overwhelmed at work here. Or if I'm on a mission trip and working, you know, 12-hour days building a house or something, which is much harder work. But there's such a difference in the stress and the pressure that it puts on me because I'm doing something I love and there's just no issue in striving and it's just what God created you to do and all of these things. And so there's, there's such a difference. There's a balance. The problem is I think we've gotten so far off from what that is. You know, God created you. Edwin said, I want to serve. There is a specific purpose and plan for you in the kingdom. But what we do as Christians is once we get there, right, all of a sudden somebody says, you know, I know this is what you're really good at, but could you also do this because you, you probably could handle this. You say, okay, yeah. And then they say, man, he's doing a good job at that. Well, maybe he could also take on this. Well, that's also, well, you know, if he could do that, well, maybe I wonder if he could do this. And before long, you are so far away from what God intended for your life that it's just stress and busyness and work and that's when all the complaining and criticism and griping and all of that comes in. Because you've chosen a different pace of life than God had for you. The kingdom is easy. We're the ones that make it hard. <laughs> Do you know that 37% of Americans, 37% ever go on a vacation? Only 37%. Out of that, 14% in the world have ever only taken two weeks, never more than two weeks. 14% have never taken a two-week vacation. And if everyone that goes on vacation, 20% of that number say that when they're on vacation, all they do is check their phone, work, respond to emails, etc. Eugene Peterson calls that the bastard Sabbath. <laughs> I told Holly, the answer, I'll go ahead and give you the answer to this message. The answer to what I'm sharing today is a Sabbath rest, is understanding that. Unfortunately, I can't preach that message to you because I don't have that yet. But I know that's the answer, so I've at least got the answer. I've just got to work to get there. But Eugene Peterson said in the United States, we don't understand Sabbath, that we, we create a bastard Sabbath, which is I'm going to take one day to catch up on all the things that I couldn't do while I was doing other stuff. That is not a Sabbath. So I've at least identified my problem. Hello, my name is Matt Hobson. I do not have a Sabbath. So I know the answer. I've just got to figure out how to get there. So I can't do that you know, today with you guys, but I can share how I got to where I'm at today. 
I had somebody not long ago ask, how's work treating you? You know, how, how's life treating you? And I said, man, I feel like I'm in the belly of the beast. And they said, well, what is, you know, I started looking at that. What does that mean to be in the belly of the beast? Like Jonah was swallowed by the whale. You know, being in the belly of anything, like a snake or a whale or anything like that, when something swallows you, there's all these acids and things in its stomach that starts breaking down everything about you. So if you feel like you're in the belly of the beast, know everything is being sucked out of you. <laughs> and it's just rumbling around in there. And eventually it will completely digest you and then shoot you out like waste. <laughs> That's what it means to be in the belly of the beast. Now I promise this is a good news message. <laughs> some of you are looking like, oh my gosh, we need to get this guy some help. <laughs> This is a good news message. Why? Because Jesus offers us a different option, a different pace of life. He says in that scripture, come to me. He doesn't say, come to me and I'll make you successful. He doesn't say, Edwin, come to me today and get baptized and I'll give you a bunch of religious commands that you've got to try to keep. No, he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Rest for your weary souls. That's a totally different life. It was so appealing to me that I quit my job. <laughs> I thought, I want a different life. I want a different pace of life. And I don't even know what I'm going to do. But I know that Jesus was calling and said, hey, there's a different pace of life if you want it. And I know enough to say, okay, I'll take that. Because Jesus is smart. I don't know if you know this. But he was comparing and contrasting the culture when he said, come to me, that my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He was comparing the culture of, you don't have to be like the Pharisees with all of these commands. It could be an easier life for you. You don't have to buy into the system of the world. You could have a different life. He says in Deuteronomy 30, 19, I used the scripture last time I was here. I give you a choice today. You could choose. It's life or death. And if I was paraphrasing out of the Matthew paraphrase, it would say you could choose busyness of life and it's going to lead to death. Or you could choose a different pace of life and experience something totally different. Resting in Jesus is what creates fruitfulness, not busyness. I mean, I think about it. I've only been out of work for the last couple of weeks, maybe. But as soon as I made this transition, all of a sudden, all of these ministry opportunities started jumping up. I've lived in the same place for about eight years now, and I was at home because I wasn't working, and I was in the kitchen, and I saw somebody outside my window. So when I went there, I'm like, hey, what's going on? He said, hey, I'm Michael. I'm your neighbor. Nice to meet you after eight years. And then we end up working on his water pipes that had busted. He's a big hunter, so we end up talking about hunting. We end up having a great time. After eight years, finally meet my neighbor. <laughs> Just because I've slowed down the pace of my life enough to see what's going on around me. Then all of a sudden, I'm driving through one day going to the gym, and I realize the woman that's on her back porch, her name's Megan. She goes out there to have her Bible study every morning. She's not there. So I text her. I'm like, hey, Megan, I don't see you on the back porch. Like, is everything okay? She said, oh, my God, I can't believe you noticed I wasn't there. I'm house-sitting for somebody. 
And even since then, I've been working on houses with people. We've had dinner, lunches. Got to have a dinner with a guy going through a divorce. And look, and I'm not saying that ministry is bad and churches are bad or any of that. But for me, the moment I changed the busyness of my life, all of a sudden, everything opened up and I could see it. All of these things were always there. I just was too busy to choose to do those things or too selfish. But all of a sudden, my eyes were open. I'm like, man, that's what I want to do. The church as we know it is marked by burnout, compromise, criticism, being tired, busyness, worn out. That's why you see everyone upset all the time. <laughs> I heard John Tyson give a great quote. He said, a restful spirit is spiritual warfare in a culture of exhaustion. A restful spirit is spiritual warfare in a culture of exhaustion. So let's just take a second. Let's examine the yoke on your life. Because I know what mine is. And I'm used to people judging me. So you're probably thinking, oh, he was just burnt out. He's just criticizing that church he used to go to. It's none of that. My eyes were fully open. I knew what I was getting into. But let's turn the tables now because that's what Jesus does. He asked the question to you. How's your life? What pace of life have you chosen? What path of life have you chosen? Think of it in these terms. This is a great question to ask yourself. When you woke up this morning, well, not this morning because you're at church, so that's probably a bad example. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, when you wake up tomorrow morning, before you leave to go to work or go to do whatever you're going to do that day, ask yourself this question. I can't wait to do this another 30 years. What would your response be? Or do you wake up on Monday morning and go, oh, Lord, how much longer? Come, Lord Jesus, is your favorite verse. That'll identify what your pace of life is currently. And it's God giving you like a little warning sign on your vehicle saying, hey, you need to check the engine. Some things need to change. You're going down a different path. You know, that's just all repentance is, is changing the direction, turning and going a different way. And so it's God just giving us a little bit of a, a heads up. And there's going to be some of you sitting here today that says, well, I just don't have time for a Sabbath. <laughs> have you ever heard anybody say that? Why don't you just take a day off? I don't have time to take a day off. Then what you've just done when you say, I don't have time to take a day off, I don't have time for the Sabbath, is you've self-diagnosed yourself with a terminal illness. Because it's going to catch up with you. I don't have time to do this. I want you to think about this. Jesus was the Savior of the world. And he had time every day to rest. So if you're saying to me, I don't have time for a Sabbath, I don't have time to take a day off, you're telling me you're more important than the Savior of the world, which is just idolatry, basically. Because if Jesus, who is the Savior of the world, had enough time to take a day off, then surely we can carve out a time that we can do it. And again, I'm the guiltiest. I do not have a Sabbath. But I've at least identified the problem. I know that I've got to have one. And I know that I'm not more important than Jesus. 
But I do know this. He screams it in my ear every day when I get wrapped up in my own busyness. I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. You know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give life. So are you experiencing life? I feel like that's all I want to do right now. That's, and it's because I'm going through it. I understand that. And I'm an all-in person. So, like, if somebody today said, let's go uh, skydiving, I now want to be a skydive instructor, a skydiving instructor. Like, I'm just that kind of person. So when God is saying to me, you need to rest, then to me, I've got to go to everybody I know and say, you need to rest. So forgive me, and don't take this person. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself. But I think I've got something here. I think God is calling us to a place of rest and to a different pace of life. Or maybe it's just me, and I'm okay with that. Wake up on Sunday morning, fish a little bit before you come to church, come to church, then go to, I mean, is that possible? <laughs> Am I living in a dream world here? Or is Jesus true when he says, come to me and I'll give you rest? I think it's possible. I really do. In Matthew 16, 25, Jesus says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Life to the full. That is the gospel. Life to the full. If we're not making Jesus attractive, why would people want to come into the kingdom? And I'll be totally uh, transparent with you because, well, that's just the way I am. But um, I'm the worst. I have been the worst at that, not making Jesus attractive. I was so convicted on my last trip here, not when I preached, but the trip after that when I came to see Bob. He was asking me on the uh, porch, he's like, hey, how's, how's it going? What's life like? And I just vomited everything on him and Ann. <laughs> and just, I'm, I'm like, I'm busy, I hate my life, I hate my job. Like, I just was honest with him about everything that was going on with me. And I, he left, and I'm sitting there at the house, and Jesus said, man, you really made me attractive to them. <laughs> And it hurt so bad, I had to text him. I'm like, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me for just vomiting all of my complaints and my life out to you. And He said, it's okay, don't worry about it. That's the enemy. Everybody's got to have a safe place, and I appreciate that. But think about that. How true is that? What does most people say when you ask them, how's your day going? How's your life? Oh, I'm so busy. Or they... Uh, immediately start spewing something to you, which is okay. They probably don't have anybody to talk to or whatever. But when's the last time that somebody said, like, how's your life? And you just said, whew, if I could sum up my life in one word, it would just be margin. I've got so much time on my hands, I don't know what to do with. I mean, I don't know whether to meditate in the morning or go to the gym or read my Bible first or journal you know, listen to some worship music. I've just got so much time. I'm just trying to figure out how to compartmentalize all of it so I can have more joy that I'm already experiencing. Like, when is the last time you've run into that person? 
It's like, good morning, how are you doing? Oh my gosh, I'm so restful. I slept 10 hours last night. The only thing I can think of it is today is do I want to go fishing or do I want to eat lunch with my friends? And you know, I mean, but it's possible. I think it's possible to have that kind of life. I think that's what he's calling us to when, he's, when he says, come to me all who are weary and I'll give you rest. That's what's attractive. Think about it. We all grew up in church, or most of us did. I mean, for years, when I first got saved, I had a bumper sticker on my car that said, repent or go to hell. By the way, it's a terrible evangelism strategy. And I'd make Holly drive it all the time. She'd go to the library and people would live notes on the uh, windshield for judge not lest you be judged, woman. And so, you know, we'd come home. That's a terrible strategy. Or you think Edwin would be getting baptized today if I said, Edwin, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come into the kingdom and get baptized. Then I'm going to work you like a dog for 14 hours a day where you've never got time to do anything else. And then when you go home, we'll just pretend like it was a great day. No, he came into the kingdom because he's looking for a different life. Something different, right? The old has gone, the new has come. And again, I'm not saying that you don't have to work. Work is not the problem. We're the problem because we're choosing a different pace of life while we're doing that work. Nothing has changed about my job that I had or a job that I'll take. What's changing is me. And understanding that there's a different pace of life, a different busyness versus fruitfulness will allow you to work from a place of rest. Do you know the only place in the Bible that God says that you should strive is to strive to rest? And so I think that's what God is saying to us. Even when we get ready to do communion, it's a remembrance, right? Remember that I'm offering you a place of rest. Remember that I'm offering you a different life. Remember that you can be of the world without being in the world. Or be in the world, not being of the world. And I can see some of you. I can see that this is touching some heartstrings, especially the ones of you that are poking your husband or wife. Like, hmm, he's talking to you. But I think he is. I know he's talking to me. Do me a favor. Just close your eyes. Just close your eyes and just hold your hands out in front of you. And listen to those words again out of Matthew. And let Jesus speak to your heart when he's asking you, how is your life? How is your soul? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, 
my burden is light. Are you experiencing that kind of rest? If not, today is your opportunity. (laughs) He says, I give you a choice. You can choose life or you can choose death. I'm not saying it all changes the minute you walk out this door, but at least becoming aware of it will cause you to think about it, will cause you to make different decisions today than maybe you would have made yesterday. Or Holy Spirit will start giving you a little warning light. Hey, you remember what that ball guy said? I think I'm creating a little busyness here. I don't have enough margin in my life. I'm running at too high of a pace. I need to settle down, do things I enjoy, create time to spend in the relationships that invest in me. At least that's what he's saying to me. That was Jesus texting. He just said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com